Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. People move into their homes and grow and change and learn from their homes. That's my favorite thing is when your home challenges you back and you can discover something new about yourself. Hey there, welcome to Being Home with Hunker. I am your host, Lori Gunning Grossman. Today on the show, we have interior designer Victoria Sass. Victoria is the founder of Prospect Refuge Studio. She was named one of Architectural Digest's 2022 New American Voices, highlighting rising designers who are shaking up American interiors. Based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Victoria and her design studio focus on transforming old homes for young families. Her aesthetic is a mix of California, Scandinavia, and Midwestern soul. So through her work, Victoria likes to amplify the stories that our homes tell. Part of her talent lies in world building and using these stories to encourage people to tap into an emotional mindset and get out of the literal when designing their homes. What I love is that Victoria likes to leave room for the unexpected in the homes she designs, leaving room for something to be changed over time, to add layers, to move things around throughout the years. As she says in this conversation, an interior designer is the conductor bringing all the pieces of a home together into one cohesive piece. And she does this so beautifully. You'll love what Victoria has to say, including her tips on client and interior designer relationships, her favorite materials to mix when designing a room, and which items she likes to start planning a room around. So let's welcome our guest, interior designer Victoria Sass. So you were named one of Architectural Digest's 2022 list of new American voices. How exciting is that? Oh, so exciting. It was 
kind of unexpected and, you know, you kind of unbelievable is a little bit of a pinch me moment. And uh, yeah, it's just been really fun. And the other designers that they selected were just so darn talented. It really, you know, we all have imposter syndrome a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's so rewarding to look around you and say, gosh, these people are so talented. Maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it's not an imposter after <laughs> all. So. You're definitely not an imposter. So you're based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And what is that like there? I've never been there. Oh, you should come. You should yeah. You should definitely come. Open invitation. Let me know if you're ever in this part of the country. I love it. Okay. I mean, I love Minneapolis. I have lived around a little bit um, and kind of came back, which is very much a common tale here in the Midwest to yeah. sort of go spread your wings. A lot of our clients have kind of done the same thing where they've gone around the world or around the country. And now they're kind of coming back and putting down roots. But it's great. It's, you know... There's a lot of modesty. There's a lot of balance. There's all four seasons. It's, it's a really well-rounded kind of place to be, mm. a little bit outside the rat race of the coasts. But there's yeah. so much creativity. The depth of creativity is really inspiring to me. I think there's people who go really deep in their craft, mm. which I get a lot of energy out of. Yeah. I read that you said somewhere that Midwestern design is something to celebrate. And are you meaning like the craftsmanship? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I also think that there's an aesthetic that I'll be totally honest, I'm trying to define mm. right now at this point in my career. So I don't have the definition on lock yet, okay. but I'm really interested in exploring what the Midwest means to so many different people. And, you know, we were just down in Kansas. We started a project down there last week. And, you know, what it means to a person from Kansas is different from what it means to a person in Minneapolis or Chicago yeah. or anywhere. So that, you know, the different Midwestern voices are really what's engaging me and interesting to me right now. I think there's a lot of stories being told on the coasts and the Pacific Northwest and mm, yes. a lot of other places throughout the U.S. And I think I'm really interested in the stories that have yet to be told in the Midwest. So that's that's interesting to me. I love that. So you spent some time in Santa Cruz, mm -hmm. and then you said that you had an architectural education in Copenhagen, Denmark, which is, you know, two very different, different places. So how has living in those places, in addition to the Midwest, shaped like your style and how you see the world of design? You know, I think whether we like it or not, that our stories are part of who we are some days you know, people will tell me I have a very Scandinavian aesthetic and I like to think I'm, you know, much like I like to think I don't have an accent. I like to think <laughs> I maybe don't have a, too much of a boundaried style, but I'm sure that's not true. And those, I do think that that California, that time growing up in California and the time spent studying in Copenhagen and throughout Scandinavia inevitably creeps into my work. And so I think now I'm really interested in sort of infusing that Midwestern soul into it on top of everything else. And just the continued accumulation and sort of like layer cake of aesthetics, that amalgamation, I think, I think it's a good recipe. So far, it feels like a very natural flavor, those th those three flavors together. I use yeah. a lot of cooking analogies. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but those three flavors that, that West Coast, California, Scandinavian, and Midwestern are kind of fun to explore together. Yes. You know, you said two things that I want to touch upon. So you did mention stories, and I want to get to stories because I know that that is a part 
of you and your work and working with your clients. You did mention that um, you just brought up the words a boundary style, which I don't think that you have. I think and this is my my own impression. Like what I love about seeing the images of your work. It's just so lovely. It's colorful. It's warm. It doesn't all look the same from house to house. Yet there's still something that you can say, oh, this is Victoria's work. You know what I mean? There's like, there's the touches of it, but they seem so individual and unique to the homes that I just love. I mean, the images of your spaces. Everyone needs to go look at because I just want to step into them. They're really, really beautiful. And I wrote down something that you had said, which kind of gets to stories. You wrote, the intention is to build the history of your home, no matter its age, while celebrating its present and anticipating its future, which I love because it seems like you and your work like to focus on narratives and stories, which is huge for us at Hunker and for this podcast. We love the stories that our homes tell. So can you talk a little bit about that importance of helping people tell their stories through their home and through design in their home? Yeah, the best stories are complicated, really. Okay, go, tell (laughs) me more. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that's why a lot of times we get clients who have a complex home, a challenging home. These are these are words that they come to with us and we see opportunity usually. Mm. But I think the more quote unquote challenging a home is, the more potential. It has a strong story and I think people are trying to find a way how do they fit into its story? Yeah. And that's really rewarding to sort of carve out and carve away an existence within a home that has a strong, my home has a strong personality. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Much like, you know, beloved family members or friends, sometimes, you know, they're the ones that challenge you the most, but they're also <laughs> the most rewarding relationships. Yeah. And so I think we're trying to tell multiple stories at the same time. Mm-hmm. The story that the home comes to us with, if it's an older home, or if it's not, if it's a new build, which we're doing a lot of, Trying to think about if this were a pre-existing home, what would it be telling? What mm. what story does it want to tell? Maybe it's the property. Maybe it's the piece of land it sits on. Or, you know, there's got to be some sense of history. Yeah. And then you've got the present day. What do you need in this moment today? You know, not looking forward, not looking back, but just as you exist in this world in this moment. And then we are trying to leave a door open. I try not to project too much into what your life will be because mm. nobody knows for sure. Right. But to just leave things not 100% done and finished and final, because uh, that's where the magic happens. You know, people move into their homes and grow and change and learn from their homes. That's my favorite thing is when your home challenges you back and you can discover something new about yourself. Love that. Yeah, trying to tell all the stories at the same time, which, you know, we don't make our work easy for ourselves. So when you're working with someone who has a historic home, do you also dig into then the history of the home? Like, are you looking at old papers? Are you guys going to, you know, the reference section of the library to learn more about that space? Do you dig in that deep? Sometimes. If Uh it's there, if we can find it. I do think that it's more of an emotional Hmm. understanding what... We're not historic preservationists or restorationists. It's more of like we're respectful of history. Yeah. Yeah. There's also nothing like time. Like time changes space in such a unique way. It's irreplicable. We can't really artificially create that. So we want to save as much of that as we can. You know, it's hard to value 
something, you know, sometimes people come in, they're a little maybe dismissive of a remodel that happened in the 70s, let's say, but mm-hmm. they love their turn of the century architecture. And I want to say that 70s remodel has just as much value. And maybe, you know, we don't preserve everything in amber, but right. we need to understand that that's part of your home story and respect that too. And so sometimes that leads to an interesting equation. Yeah. So yes and no, we want to get the story. We want to understand where the home's been, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a shrine. It's more of just making an emotional connection with it. I love it so much. So it sounds like the home is the other family member of whomever's living there. Yes. That's so sweet. It should be. If you can get to that kind of a place with your home, I think it's really rewarding. Yeah. How beautiful that thought is. I love it. And family members can be challenging, we all know. Of course. Of course. It's not... Uh, and you have to be, I think if you're open to that, you get a lot richer yeah. experience from your home. If you're so often, I think people look at homes, oh, Corbusier and I have so much beef together, uh-huh. homes as machines, you know, the, oh. the living machine. And I just think that there's a sterility, there's mm. an absence of magic to a machine, this, this sense that a home should serve us in every way, anticipate our every need. Whoa. Where's the beauty and the mystery and the unexpected, you know, romantic moment. Yeah. You know, leaving room for the unexpected is important. Tell me more about that. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's a dance. I mean, we want to try to make sure everything is thoughtful as we can, but trying to leave room for a wall to be filled down the road or Mm. something to be changed over time, Mm. furniture to be moved around. Just to continue to add layers to a space is really important. Yes. Are you the type of person who likes to move things, as you just mentioned, move things around? Do you like to move things around in your space a lot? Do you feel that need like every few months or maybe every year you like to kind of freshen things up, change that energy? Yeah. I mean, I I do. I know I do that. I don't know if I always do it intentionally. It yeah. sort of goes in in waves. Something will inevitably spur a big movement of my furniture, like a migration oh. throughout my home, whether oh. it's one new piece gets introduced and then therefore there's a butterfly effect and entire yeah. rooms change from there. Right. Then there'll be great still periods where nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, but then there's these great abrupt overhauls where everything moves <laughs> throughout my home. Some of it's photo shoot related. We kind of use my home as like a secondary staging and styling space as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some of it's based around that. I don't know. Other times I'll maybe I'll just sell something from my life and get a new piece. And then a whole room changes with that. <sighs> oh, it's so fun. Now, getting back to the story and telling your clients' stories. So on your site, on your different tours of the homes, you have something called pairings. And you have words, these like beautiful words that go together. Can you talk a little bit about this and then how it helps you envision the palette and the design of each project that you work on with your clients? So that came out of... Okay, I already mentioned I use a lot of cooking analogies. Mm -hmm. I I think I'm always trying to get people out of the literal, out of their literal minds and tap into sort of more of an emotional mindset. I can worry about the literal. How are we literally going to fill your home with furniture? And how many inches long does the sofa have to be? I can worry about that. And so I kind of want to encourage homeowners or our clients to think about things and their needs more abstractly. How do they want to feel 
what season is it? I often try to have help them walk through like a almost meditational exercise of picture yourself in your finished space and then really drill down into what are you wearing? What season is it? What time of day is it? What is in your hands? Are you eating something? Are you drinking something? What is the smell in the room? As many of those emotional, evocative sensations as we can get a hold of, that is so rich for inspiration for us. I might not be able to recreate that exact moment, you know, put a cup of tea in your hand and make it seven o'clock on a Friday <laughs> in the fall. But yeah. I can help build that environment based on those sort of like emotional triggers. And so sometimes I'm trying to like break that down and build that up constantly and help people separate. It's not just chairs and tables and sofas. It's emotions and adventures and things that you're eating and consuming. Like it's a whole world that you're trying to craft, world building. I love it so much. It makes me think of a lot of people who work with intentions. And, you know, there are some people who work with like the new moon, you know, you write your mm. new intentions around the new moon or future casting and thinking about how you want to show up in your future. And so many people talk about the feeling. So it's not just about saying, oh, I want you know, X, Y, and Z, it's how do you want to feel, as you just said. Like, what are you envisioning? I think when we put those pictures in our head, it helps us get clarity. So I love that you do that with your clients. I was just talking to my design team today, and we were talking about, I think we, all of us as humans, have a lot of scripts in our heads of mm -hmm. what we think we need. And so a lot of times we'll get clients or people come in the door, and I do this to myself. I think I, think I need a sofa and two chairs and a rug, and this is what I need. But what I need is a home? What kind of a home? Do I need to have a high energy home? Do I need to have a secluded home? Maybe I don't need a home at all. Maybe I need a landing pad. Maybe mm. I need a party pad. Maybe I, you know, you don't, <laughs> yeah. once you start to get into what you need in an abstract way, it's so much more telling than the like checklist or the to-do list. Yeah. Now, do you use other tools as well? Or do you just focus on the pairings and like the envisioning and the feelings? Like do you use mood boards? I know some people do playlists, anything like that? Yeah, we, I mean, it's a lot of just me peppering <laughs> our clients with a thousand questions. Yeah. And some of them are very abstract and um, just getting to know every inch of their lives. And then we create a concept. So we tell a story and it's kind of in line with those pairings. It's a little more built out than just a few words. It's a, about a paragraph or two and it's narrative and it oh. might be a story about a piece of clothing or it might be a story about a season or I mean, they range literally anything, a book, a artist, a moment in time. I mean, there's so many ways that we go about it, an animal, yeah. but something that is totemic, that is symbolic of what they're trying to do. And it's kind of like those pairings where they read it and they hopefully go, yes, that's what I want. I want I'm looking at my wallpaper in my office here. Yeah. I want a cozy rabbit napping in the sun, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> something like that is the energy I want. Yeah. And so we tell the story and then we have some imagery to go with it. But yeah, ooh, playlist. That sounds like a fun one. Yeah, I just, I heard someone else does that. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, that's such a great thing. I think a lot of times it does depend maybe on how the client experiences things. Like, you know, some people are audio, some people are visual, some people mm -hmm. are tactile. So maybe it depends, you know, on, on who you're working with. When you moved into your home and you were designing your home, what were some of the pairings? Do you remember 
Did you do it for yourself? Do you remember any words or oh, I well, we're actually going through a constant design of my home. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, well, going to be a lifelong project for me. And we're doing a second level. And it's it's there's a lot of like Pompeii Ooh. and yeah. <laughs> dusty, I'm imagining sort of like dusty mosaics and that sort of hot sun, like heat of the day kind of baked feeling. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't formally done it, but that is, I think I can feel it. I'm just coming off of starting a new project, that project in Kansas. I'm very good at feeling it. And the work is breaking it down into a vocabulary and then mm. building it back up as a cohesive space. Yeah. So I don't know, it's like built into me. But then once I kind of do the tangible work of breaking it down and defining it, I don't always do that for myself because I already feel it. So I don't need to explain it to myself. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in you. It's there. Yeah. It's there. It just hasn't been parsed out quite as much. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Now, what are some tips that you would love for people or even for your clients to know about how to work with an interior designer to make the process run smoothly? I mean, hopefully it's a person you trust. I think, yeah. you know, having a good feeling, I say this a lot about our partners, if we're assembling, helping a homeowner assemble a team, mm. trust your gut. If you feel you're communicating with them and they're understanding what you're saying and understanding your questions and you're understanding their answers, if the communication feels easy, yeah. that's probably a really good sign. And that sounds not scientific, but I actually think it is based in, you know, are you speaking the same language? It should just feel really easy. And I think if that's the case, hopefully you can place your trust in these people and then be as transparent as you can be. I think sometimes people hold their cards a little too close to their chest and don't mm. get the full benefit of an advocate of a, I know at least at our studio, we're really trying to see the world literally through your eyes. Mm. 
Uh, and so the more you can let us into your life and allow us to do that, I think you get a better end result. It's not easy. It's it's hard. Someone once told me it's very hard work to be a good client. And I, I think that is true. <laughs> yeah. There's a amount of letting go and trust and belief in the end result that you have to sort of have and work on. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you love being an interior designer? I mean, what is it that sparks, you know, your interest and keeps you engaged? Like, what do you love about it? Oh, it's complexity. I think... The more I do it, the more I realize the unlimited potential of this art form. Mm. I'd love to keep pursuing it till it feels like a fine art. And our medium is space, is volume, is light, is it's all of the senses really is what we're working with, crafting almost like an installation in your life to try to make you feel something connected, disconnected, whatever it is that you want out of this world to try to set that environment up for you, to foster that, and then turn you loose in it and hope that it happens for you. Yeah, I think there's so many crafts, trades, technical details to learn about, stained glass, wood flooring. I mean, you could spend your whole life knowing nothing but stained glass and to get to spend a tiny bit of your life learning about that and you know, paint and wallpaper. I mean, all the things, there's just, it's unlimited. And that's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, I love I love thinking of it that way as unlimited because I do feel to get into people's homes, to get into their heads and figure out what they want, it takes a certain level of patience and a certain level of passion to be able to like show up for all your different clients all the time. I love how you think about it though, that it seems like very expansive. And then perhaps even talking to I'm imagining craftsmen who work with stained glass and like gleaning some some insight. I mean, do you work with those craftsmen in some of your projects? Oh yeah. I mean, anytime I can get into a workshop and yeah. dial into we're working on a lighting collection and mm. meeting the glass blowers and learning about the craft and the capabilities and the possibilities and the limitations of that material, that medium. What can you do? How do you affect color? How does light transmit through it. I could spend a lifetime learning about it. And unfortunately, I do have to stop at some point. But to just have that possibility be there keeps it evergreen and so fresh. Yeah. I have a couple fill in the blanks I wanted to Mm. ask you and get your answer from. Okay. So fill in the blank. I can never go wrong if I design a room with... These are so hard because there's always an exception to every rule, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a good rug, I think. Ooh. And by good, I don't mean expensive. Okay. I was just going to ask about that because I feel like it's hard to find a good rug that is affordable. Tell me that I'm wrong. I think it's it's very polar. Yes. <laughs> it's either it's a good rug and it's you know surprisingly expensive yeah. or it's a good rug and it's surprisingly inexpensive. Mm. It, I find it's very hard to find that middle of the road rug. Yeah. But once you start digging into it, I think there's a number of resources that there's some really inexpensive ones, secondhand or jute. Oh. You know, there's some fun new jute designs. So the, depending on the material, I think you can get lesser expensive options. But I really enjoy starting planning a room around a rug. I think it's a good like foundational piece for how big your furniture should be. You know, if you need two rugs in a room, you kind of are setting yourself up for two seating arrangements. It really, it's cheesy, but kind of lays the foundation for everything to follow. That is fascinating because I'll say for myself, often it's been like the rug is the last thing to come into our home or homes. And, uh, And then we're just trying to fit something into the space is often what it feels like. 
So I love that you start with it. If it's within. Yeah, it's yeah. not always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life doesn't always give you those opportunities, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. have the choice. Right, right. Okay. My favorite materials to mix when designing a room are? Oh, woods. I love mixing all the woods together. Mm. Uh, I think it's something, you know, people got really on board the mixed metal train <laughs> a few years back. Mm-hmm. And now that right. seems totally, you know, people aren't afraid of that anymore. I wish the same thing would happen for woods, I think. Just put your oak next to your walnut, next to your maple, pack them all in there, and don't sweat it. Good tip. I like that. Okay. Well, we kind of touched upon this before. I'm, I'm going to ask it again. What I find inspiring about interior design is... God, I had something I was going to say about that, mm. that I lost my train of thought as I was going off about all the trades and uh-huh. things, but I do think it's such a composition. You're really trying to... Like, I don't make anything. I don't know if this is inspiring or just interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't make anything with my own hands, but it's sort of like being the conductor of an orchestra or something. Like, I'm bringing all these things together and keeping my eye on all of the different masters of their craft and learning enough from them that I can compose something that is enjoyable and pleasant or whatever I'm trying to accomplish and I think that people think we are the be all end all or the start and the stop of the conversation, but mm. we're just sort of a vehicle for all of these amazing people. Mm. Oh, I know what it was. You were asking me about clients and yeah. how you work with, yes, you know, and working with clients. I think that people, in addition to craftsmen and tradespeople being such a source of inspiration, our homeowners, people are so beautiful. I think you have to really believe in the beauty of every human being to mm. do this. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you're jaded at all, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah. And so to wake up every day and just really try to see what people are trying to do with their lives and make a connection with them and bring their voice into their home. Mm. I love it so much. It's so exciting to get to know a, a family or a couple or an individual and really under try to understand who they are beyond a person who needs furniture or a person who needs a house. Right, right. But like, what do they want to be in this world? Yeah. That is so fun for me. Yeah. And unlimited also, because no one's ever really knowable. My limits of really understanding who they are are, you know, finite, but I really try. I think that's really exciting. That is so cool. I love thinking about interior designers, as you mentioned, as the conductor or as the composer bringing all the pieces together into one cohesive piece, which is the home. It's very cool thinking of it that way. And I love music, so I love thinking of it that way also. Here's one more. Okay. My design philosophy is... Hmm. I think as soon as I make one, I try to change it a little bit, Mm. but uh, like overall design philosophy. Yeah. Well, I mean, our trademark is old homes, young families, although we don't just do that. But I think that there's a big need. There's a lot of people who are very passionate about that and we do it very well. And it brings us a lot of joy to work um, with old homes. Mm. Young families is an interesting one because we also work with a lot of people who are older and have grandkids and, you know, but still need that sort of functionality of a full, you know, kids, pets, people coming and going, you kind of Mm. don't want that preciousness in your life too much. Um, You don't want that to dominate. So I think we really love that, but I do love a challenge. I mean, anytime there's a really particularly difficult space, that is where I get really excited. Like this Kansas project, just trying to get my head into 
you know, what people in Kansas, how they see themselves, how the small town operates, how the individuals, the owners of this building operate. I think it's really exciting to try to be challenged in a new direction. Yeah. I don't know. That was a lot of different philosophies. It's good. Why not? Have, have a few different philosophies. When you're home, do you have a favorite place where you like to, to be or to hang out? Oh, my bed. Oh, I love really? my bed. Yeah. <laughs> I love my bed so much. I joke that like if I could just entertain from bed, if I could do everything uh, oh my God. from bed. And it's interestingly, I feel like primary bedrooms are the last thing on people's to-do list. Mm. We get so many projects that start with public spaces, mm. main areas, kitchens, all of the entertainment spaces, even kids' bedrooms. All of that tends to come before people's personal private spaces. And yeah, I kind of went off. I think people are coming around now. I went, I had a little bit of a soapbox year where I was like, this is not okay. This is where you, the first thing you see in the morning when you wake up, it's the last thing you see at the end of the day. Yeah, It's so critical to like our mental health to have a space that feels like it supports you and your day and your life. And, you know, to put that at the bottom of the list is just not right. And so, but I think that's been changing. People have been valuing their themselves a little bit more in the past few years. So that's good to see. I think you're right, though. As you say, the primary bedroom does tend to get last on the list. I know that's happened in my own home because we think about the kitchen or the main area, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all going to gather. But I will say it has been on my mind this past, probably this past year, more of creating that like really, what is it? Like just like a very comfortable bedroom that feels like it's just cocooning us and supporting us, especially with, as we all know, sleep is so important. So I love that your bed is your is your spot for you. Do it. Go for it. Yeah. I hope next time I talk to you, you've, <laughs> you've gone after it. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We do believe that our homes reflect our identities and tell our stories. How does your home tell your story and reflect your identity? I think it's very experimental in the sense that if there's something I'm toying with and either I'm not confident it's a good idea and I need to play around with it a little bit, you know, maybe it's not quite ready for a client. (laughs) It's not that strong of an idea. So it's very, my home is very eclectic because there's a lot of different ideas sort of bouncing around in my head. Mm. And sometimes I just need to sort of work through it or understand the mechanics of could be something like a drapery installation that I'm playing around with. And I want to know, like, what does that do if you pleat it in that way? Or how does it function? Um, different materials or stones or, uh, you know, just kind of playing with proportion. And every now and then it's a misstep. And, <laughs> you know, you're like, but it often leads to a good evaluation of what I'm trying to accomplish. Even if I like experiment with a color or uh, a detail and I'm like, huh, that kind of didn't really satisfy what I was trying to accomplish. It helps me take a look at, well, what am I trying to accomplish? Why did that miss the mark? What was the psychological need or the emotional need that I was trying to fulfill that this didn't do it? And how do I get there? So, you know, you learn you learn from everything. Sometimes the mistakes being the things you learn the most from. That is hardcore truth. <laughs> so, okay, so I just have one more question for you. Our podcast is called Being Home with Hunker. What does being home mean to you? Hmm, that is a great question. I Now I want to pick your brain on what it means to you. Because mm. honestly, as a person who makes homes for other people, I'm really interested in what it means to everyone else, all the different meanings that home can have. 
I think it's, you know, where you feel like you can be yourself, where you feel seen, where you feel heard. Um, There should be a little bit of a challenge in there to you. I Mm. think most of us are on the path to something. We're trying to not only, you know, be static in this moment and where we're at, but we have a history and we're moving towards uh, hopefully future selves that we're constantly trying to better and improve. And so in order for a good home to support that, it does need to push you outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Just like with any growth, there has to be a little bit of, I, I say this delicately because yeah. you know people want comfort and they want coziness, yeah. but there has to be a little bit of pressure to encourage you to continue to grow. So whether that's supporting some kind of work that you want to do, or maybe it is supporting you in a way of removing yourself from work and calming down that might be uncomfortable at first to sort of remove those elements from your immediate existence. Um, But hopefully long-term it'll encourage you to become the person you want to be. That was kind of a long way around. I think that's my, my summary. It'll encourage you to become the person you want to be. I love it, Victoria. I haven't heard anyone express it that way. You know, we do hear a lot of the things of wanting to feel safe and to feel comfortable and it's where we feel loved and we're, you know, we're with our family. And I also love your spin on it that it's to also challenge us or to be help us be our best versions and maybe to, to push us a little bit. Very cool. I love it. Aww, yeah. yeah. It's fun to think about these things. It's embedded in our work, but we don't often sit down and like lay it all out quite like this. So it's been fun to talk about yeah. all these ideas that we pack into our work with you. Right on. Well, you're delightful. I'm so glad I got to talk with you. And I'm going to encourage everyone to go to your website and to your Instagram to see your gorgeous photos of your work. And I'm just going to keep my eye on you, seeing, you know, just how you continue to grow and how you continue to challenge your own self as as we're talking here with our homes. So thank oh, you so much. Thank you, Lori. I love your take on all of this. Your questions are I was talking to someone the other day about the art of the interview and how much like our work, you know, having a little bit of challenge in there and making people really think about, you know, what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's been really fun. So I really appreciate your your time. Ah, thank you so much. To learn more about Victoria, find her at prospectrefugestudio.com or on Instagram at prospectrefuge. Also in our show notes, you can discover other episodes we think you might like, such as my chat with interior stylist, Hillary Robertson. Thank you for listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Eve Epstein is our executive producer. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer Maury Men, and director of audience development Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive. And the ship, white flowers sing along. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.